This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. U2 frontman Bono has joined the fight against avoidable blindness. The singer has the eye condition glaucoma and has decided to help others around the world who are less fortunate than himself who don't have access to treatment or solutions to their vision problems. Here he is in his own words. Imagine if your world looked like this. Blurry, confusing or worse. Life might not look like this for you, but it does to more than 625 million people around the world. It doesn't have to be this way. Most vision problems are an easy fix. The Brian Holden Vision Institute is working to do exactly that, leading the fight to end the kind of blindness and vision problems that can be prevented or cured. And now they have an ally in Revo and me. This is personal for me. I've been dealing with glaucoma for 20 years. I was told just yesterday that without the treatment I'm getting, I will be blind. We also know that you can help. So join us. Let's realize this vision of vision by 2020. Did I really just say 2020? I did. Felt good. Buy vision. Give sight. Bono fronting a campaign to highlight and tackle sight problems around the world. To learn more about his collaboration with Revo Eyewear and the Brian Holden Vision Institute, I'm joined by Professor Coven Naidu. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, it's good to talk to you. Now, can you first of all tell me about the work of the Institute? What do you actually do and uh, where do you do it in the world? The Brian Holden Vision Institute is often referred to as a non-profit or an NGO. But in in essence, it's what we call a social enterprise. We conduct research in eye care. We develop intellectual property. We sell that intellectual property uh, to companies that can you know, develop products out of that. We then generate income through that effort, and we use that income to um, support the work that we do in the developing world, which is essentially training eye doctors, training uh, optometrists, Uh, training nurses, etc., setting up schools of optometry, setting up eye clinics in underserved communities and usually in collaboration with governments in public hospitals to increase capacity and access to eye care. Um, And then we also have a program that we call Social Franchise that we set up young entrepreneurs to own eye clinics in underserved areas so that we can have both the public and the private sector that can make a contribution towards addressing blindness and visual impairment in our world. And essentially, we do a lot of research as well to measure the impact of our work and to be accountable in a broader sense. So we've worked in 54 countries across the world, and we partner with various professional associations, governments, other NGOs, etc., to carry out our mission. Now, there are many organizations that are involved in eye care. We have a specific focus, and that is we focus on uncorrected refractive error, which addresses the 625 million people around the world who are blind or vision impaired, simply because they don't have access to adequate eye care and a pair of glasses. We also, in that process, detect other eye diseases, link up with other services, and make sure that the full service is provided to the patient. So there's a lot going on with the Institute, and I guess there has to be to tackle all of these problems on a global scale. Absolutely. And, and I, I think that the positive development in our world is that 
the barriers that exist between what we, you know, the nonprofit and professional associations or even NGOs not collaborating with each other sufficiently or celebrities or private companies like Revo, etc., those barriers are falling in, apart and people are coming together and starting to support innovative solutions. And I think that is what has created a big space for us because as an organization, we have historically for many years now been adopting this approach and this approach has become much more popular with many people. In terms of that global scale, just how much site loss, avoidable site loss is there in the world? And in terms of tackling it, how are we doing globally? You know, I think if we look at the figures around blindness, you know, and 39 million people in the world who are blind, and if we look at the progression that's occurring with blindness and vision impairment, that the numbers are positive, that there's a decrease in the numbers. But it's not the kind of decrease that we all will want. The good news is that it's not increasing at the same rate that the population growth is. But the reality is that people who are blind or visually impaired the impact on their life, the quality of their life, their access to education, their ability to earn a living, etc., get severely diminished, and our societies are not designed to provide that support, especially in the developing world. Mm. So it becomes a major social crisis. So irrespective of the fact that there's been some positive developments in the world and that the number of visually impaired as well is decreasing, but there's still 19 million children in the world who are blind or visually impaired. And uh, those are big challenges that we need to address if we want to make sure that we want to reduce the cost to society and the cost to the individual. That's such a great point, actually, the cost to society, because when some people in developing countries have some eye issues, perhaps cataracts or something, that in this country would be something that could be solved quite easily. They don't get to engage with society in the same way, do they? They don't get access to education and they, they can't contribute in the same way that other people do. Absolutely. And, and the tragedy is that if you look at the developed world, conditions such as glaucoma, age-related macular degeneration, etc., play a much bigger role. In the developing world, it's mainly avoidable blindness. I mean, majority of the blindness is due to cataracts. And majority of the visual impairment is due to uncorrected refractive error, meaning that people just can't get access to an eye exam and a pair of glasses. The tragedy is that it is a challenge that we can really address and we can win it. You know, we have the solutions. They are simple interventions. In the developed world, you know, we've shown that people can get access to cataract surgery. People are checked in in the morning by 11 a.m. They're out of the hospital. It's not rocket science anymore. And yet in the developing world, people just can't get this access. I recently read an article, uh, Coven, about uh, a man um, who was performing cataract operations and he has developed his own method for this and it takes five minutes and he's, um, I think, performed over 100,000 cataract operations. That's incredible. Yeah, because the techniques and the technology has developed. But I think the major challenge that we all face is the issue of getting um, the appropriate uh, human resources in many countries. You know, we need greater investment from governments. We need greater investment from civil society towards training people. And the predominant thinking has been that we should, you know, send people to do eye exams. And quite frankly, 
you know, we as an organization, for example, most of our investment is in human resource development. So, for example, we've set up schools of optometry in Malawi, Mozambique, Eritrea, Vietnam. Uh, we're working with the schools, new schools in Guyana, Mali, etc. And the idea is to develop the local capacity so that the universities can have a training program that becomes an ongoing resource to those societies. The problem is getting off first base, getting governments to put that initial investment. And I think civil society can play a big role in actually providing that initial investment, partnering with governments and universities, and making sure that there's a long-term sustainable solution. The efforts are getting various entities to address the clinical service provision as we're doing with the iVision Give site is really what we term as a backlog program. It's a program that we need to get a concerted effort as well around service delivery to try and get as many of the eye exams with it and uh, services provided in our space, eye exams and glasses, but in other spaces it could be doing cataract surgery, etc., so that then we can get rid of the huge backlog that has existed because of the deficit in services and then focus on strategies that allow us to address society's sustainable need going forward. Now, you mentioned Buy Vision Give Sight. Now, that's a campaign uh, that is being fronted by a very well-known music superstar, Bono from U2. And the Brian Holden Vision Institute is going to benefit from this campaign. How did that collaboration come around? Well, I think, you know, we heard Bono at Glaucoma and like many organisations, apparently there were various organisations that contacted him and said, you know, we've heard you've got glaucoma and, you know, it's been mentioned in the newspapers. Can you um, assist us? Uh, or, you know, can you work with us? I mean, all of us, I think we're looking at Bono being an ambassador, right? Um, and we thought his profile will help to raise issues around IK in general. The reality is that so too did the private sector. And Revo saw an opportunity to get Bono involved and linked to their product while doing social good. And so they offered money, uh, $10 million for that effort. And Bono, being the social activist he is, decided that that money should go towards blindness prevention and eye care services. Bono's very competent, I must say, for a celebrity and a rock star, I was quite surprised as as to how, how knowledgeable those advising him about such issues are. And they literally interrogated us and I'm sure many other organizations about various aspects to make sure that there's accountability, that we can deliver, all those things. Then chose the Brian Alden Vision Institute as a partner from having spoken to various people. And once they chose us as a partner, they then said to Revo, this is who we want to partner. And it was quite admirable because Bono was not adopting a very superficial approach of saying, well, you know, we got this, just find somebody and Revo, you find somebody mm. and bring them to us. They went through a very critical process of ensuring that they chose the partner. And I think for us, we were happy to go through that, even though it took a good couple of months, because I think it was a validation of our efforts. You know, as an organization, we have been very conscious not to go for the quick PR. And often when I do these interviews, people say, how come we don't know more about you? Because... The reality is that we've been focusing on developing sustainable programs and we'll continue doing that. That's the real issue. And this has been great for us because it gives us a boost. You know, it gives us greater profile. It attracts more 
organizations to partner with us, which we think is very critical. Civil society organizations need to work with each other, not against each other. There's very little donor funds available nowadays. And most importantly, it's the cause, ensuring that people don't live with visual impairment and blindness, that must dictate our strategies, etc. And we are very glad that in Bono we found a celebrity that's prepared to invest in us and actually demand that we think that way, which was quite easy for us because we've always thought that way. Yeah. In fact, it's quite a breath of fresh air. I mean, we've had to walk away from funding in the past because people say, we'll give you money and we want you to do this. But we know it's superficial. The mm-hmm. community will get eye exams once off, there'll be good media, and nobody will ever come back. But in this program, there's links to training, there's links to governments, there's links to school eye health programs, there's links to sustainable systems so that it's not a once-off show. It's absolutely fascinating to hear that, Coven, because I imagine Bono has a wealth of experience in this type of area. He's done a lot of work when it comes to raising awareness of AIDS and HIV in developing countries. But also, having recently announced that he has glaucoma, it must be a very personal issue for him. And it is good to know that he's taking a a real interest and real care in who he partners with. I think there's two things. Firstly, I think because he's personally affected, it makes his message greater. But I think I also respect the humility around his own condition because, you know, Bono could have said, let's go and just invest in glaucoma management, you know. And we hear that all mm. the time. People think, oh, you know, I want to support million cataract surgeries, etc. He didn't say that. He said, what I want to do is to invest in sustainable development of eye care services. You know, we expect the campaign to reach numbers, etc., which we are doing, but This is not just taking people out on the field on a weekend and just ratcheting up numbers. So I think it's it's really admirable that despite being affected by a condition, he didn't go the the hit-and-run approach. He he demanded a sustainable approach. And, And I think that the experiences from HIV and the solid work that has happened within that space has obviously influenced the way Bono and his team think about health and public health in general. Yeah. Now, not many of us can say we've appeared in a video with Bono, but you have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you told me that a couple of months ago, I would have said no. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, 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 it's great. I mean, I, as an African, if this video can reach more people and get more investment, I know that more of our children will get a better shot at life. Yeah. We encounter children who are minus six, minus eight, and some of your Listeners will understand these numbers, you know, short-sightedness to that extent where without your glasses you're blind. And these kids are not able to study. And they're bright kids, Mm -hmm. you know, just not getting access to your glasses. Even worse situation is that studies have shown that up to 50% of children in schools for the blind in Africa just need a pair of glasses, you know. Mm. And so they, they go through a life of difficulty because we as society have failed them. But it means that they, we also fail them for the future, not for the immediate term only. And, you know, I was at one of the clinics recently, and, and you know, we all talk about education and earning and stuff like that. But you have, you know, this elderly woman said to me, she said, I can't read my Bible anymore. And at her stage in life, that is very central to her being. So it's about work, it's about education, it's about quality of life socially, but it's also about worship and, you know, not being able to see impacts various aspects of what we do. 
It sounds like you're doing incredible work, Coven. How could our listeners maybe learn more about what you do? Well, we have a website, which is www.brianoldenvision, B-R-I-E-N-H-O-L-D-E-N-V-I-S-I-O-N.org. And it's a great website. There's lots of information there. Professor Coven Naidu, Interim CEO for the Brian Holden Vision Institute. Many thanks for talking to me today. You're welcome. Thank you very much. We appreciate the time and, and we hope that your listeners will engage us more as we move forward. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.